Today we wrap up this series by looking at just one more thing that leads to happiness. You see, Paul ends this book of Philippians with one of the greatest promises in the Bible. And it's a promise that maybe most of you have memorized in your life. And he ends this book with one more thing that will lead you into greater happiness if you participate. Here's the promise. Here's the scripture. Let's read it. Here it goes. My God will meet all of your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. I'm going to read that again. My God, this is Paul talking, my God will meet all your needs according to his riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. So first of all, when you look at that scripture, it says God will meet your needs. In other words, this is not just some pie in the sky kind of wish. The word of God here in Philippians 4.19 is telling you and me and every Christ follower on this planet that God will meet your needs. So you can be sure that God knows your needs and that God will meet your needs. Secondly, the scripture says that God will meet, here it is, all of your needs. And if you look up the original Greek word for the word all, the word is pas, P-A-S. And that Greek word means that God will not meet only all of your needs, but each need every need, and he'll meet your whole need. That's what that scripture is really saying. Not just part of your need. God will meet all of your needs, each and every one to the whole. So that brings up the big question in most of our minds when you read that verse, then why do so many Christians, why do so many Christ followers have so many unmet needs? And why are some of your needs, if you're, if you're listening close? Why are some of your needs unmet? Why are some of maybe your greatest and maybe even your most urgent needs not met? Well, often the reason is this. There's a condition that goes with every promise of God. There's a premise that goes with every promise. And that means you can't claim and expect God to keep his promise here in Philippians 4.19, unless you do your part, which is talked about in the previous five verses that come before this promise. And those five verses are all about Christ followers being generous towards others. And that's what we want to talk about this morning. You see, the truth is this. God's promise is tied to your generosity. Your generosity to others releases God's generosity to you. Now, you remember why Paul wrote this book? He's thanking those Christians in Philippi for their offering. Remember that? They had sent him an offering. They would sent him help, many uh, men and food and, and money. And so Paul had started all these churches all over the Roman Empire. Paul was now sitting in prison in Rome. Paul was now facing execution by Nero. And during this time, his Christian brothers and sisters in Philippi, one of the churches he had started, had sent him food and money, people to encourage him again and again and again. And in this letter to the church in Philippi, Paul is thanking them over and over for their generosity. And as he writes to some of the other churches that he started, he actually brags about this church in Philippi. 
He brags on them when he writes to the church in Corinth. Take a look at this. Paul says to the Corinthian church, now I want you to know, dear brothers and sisters, what God in his kindness has done through the churches in Macedonia, talking about Philippi. They are being tested by many troubles, and they are very poor, but they are also filled with abundant joy, which has overflowed in rich generosity. For I can testify that they gave not only what they could afford, but far more. The scripture goes on. And they did it of their own free will. They even begged us again and again for the privilege of sharing in the gift for the believers in Jerusalem. They did even more than we had hoped. For their first action was to give themselves to the Lord and to us. Just as God wanted them to do. So here's Paul. He's bragging about the Philippian church. Because they were so generous. So the first question I want to begin with is this. Can God brag about your generosity to the needs of other Christians? We got needs in the church family all the time. And and we have a a large church family. We have church family in the Philippines. We have church family in Mexico. We have church family all around the world. Can God brag about your generosity to the needs of other Christians? Can he brag about your generosity towards the needs of his work? You see, there's really just two kinds of people in our world. Givers and takers. There are givers and takers. And so even as Christians, we've got to decide, am I going to be a giver? Or am I going to be a taker all my life? Am I going to become a generous person like Jesus? Or am I just going to be a taker all my life? And folks, I don't think it's an accident that the word miser and the word miserable go together. Amen? (laughs) Miserable, that's how it's spelled. I don't think that's an accident. So listen close. The more it's all about you and taking what you want, the more unhappy you're going to be in life. If you're a miser, you're going to be miserable. But the more it's about others and you generously giving out to others, the happier you're going to be. So today I want to give you a list of the six benefits of being a generous kind of a person. Because givers experience greater happiness. And listen, and God meets the needs, all the needs of those who are givers. If we do in those first five verses what Paul's talking about then we get the benefit of God's promise. In fact, the Bible says this, the merciful, the kind, the generous man benefits himself. What's that mean? That means that you will personally benefit if you are personally generous to other people. One of the great laws of this universe that God has established is this, what you sow is what you reap. And so if you sow out generously to people, then you're going to reap generously to people. From people. What you plant is what you're going to harvest. If you put a lot of seed in the ground, you're going to have a lot of corn come up. You're going to have a lot of beans come up. You're going to have a lot of blessings come up. It's what you put out there. It's what's going to determine what you get back. The generous person ends up with benefits from God. So the question is, how do you begin to benefit yourself? How do you end up with having all your needs being met? 
Well, you just start being generous. Because generosity releases into your lives and into others' lives great benefits. Write this down. First of all, being generous makes others grateful. It really does. When you're generous, other people, the receivers, become so grateful. I mean, this past week, I experienced what that was all about. I, 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 uh, I pulled into a Starbucks drive through and I pulled up to the window, and I ordered my favorite drink, a Vente Mocha Frappuccino. Favorite drink. And I'm, I'm talking about double blended with extra ice and whipped cream, okay? <laughs> my favorite drink. So I ordered that drink. And I started to hand to the cashier my $4.95, but before I could do that, the cashier said, the car in front of you just paid for your drink. And I said, what? Really? I couldn't believe it. And so I started looking for the car. I'm still wondering who was in that white Honda. Was it one of you? (laughs) Who was in that white Honda? I don't know. But then the cashier said, would you like to pay for the drink of the person behind you? And I was so blessed and so grateful out of my mind that I said yes. (laughs) And I passed on the blessing. Folks, being generous makes you grateful. It makes other people grateful. Also, during this past couple of weeks, uh, most of you know that Shirley's been going through radiation for uh, thyroid cancer. And during that time... Uh, She couldn't eat much of anything. No iodine, no salt diet. It's just horrible. I was feeding her lettuce and tomatoes, and and she's feeling better. She's going to be here at second hour. But uh, I I was just, oh, this is awful. Well, some of the women were hearing about that in our church, and they knew I'd probably starve if they didn't help me out. And so a lot of you women started bringing over meals, and they were absolutely not only a blessing and not only delicious, and I just want to thank you for your generosity. I am so grateful for such a supportive church family. And so I just want you all to know, because of your generosity, I'm a really grateful kind of guy this morning, and a really full guy, too, because you were cooking for one, but it looked like three or four. So the question is, who are you the most grateful for? I, I can tell you who they are. They are the people who throughout life have invested in you. They are the people throughout life who have been givers to you. And their generosity has caused you to be over and over again grateful. Let me say it this way. You earn gratitude of others by what you give to them. And it doesn't have to always be money. It can be time. It can be prayer. It can be a a listening ear. It can be all kinds of things. Paul says, look at this, how grateful I am and how I praise the Lord that you are helping me again. You have done right in helping me in my present difficulty Only you Philippians became my partners in giving and receiving. You see, not all Christians get into this. No other church did this. You sent help twice. I am generously supplied with the gifts you sent me when Epaphroditus came. They are a sweet-smelling sacrifice that pleases God well. And Paul goes on and says in another chapter, Every time I think of you, I give thanks to God because you've been my partners in spreading the good news about Christ. It is right that I should feel as I do about all of you, for you have, been, have a very special place in my heart. And then he says, We have shared together the blessings of God. This church was a sharing church. 
And they were a helping church. And so Paul was grateful. And so my question is, is anybody grateful to you? Have you been so generous to somebody else that they are so grateful to you? You see, that's one of the marks of a Christian, amen, is a generous spirit. Can you think of someone who might say about you, they have been so generous to me, I'm so grateful to them. Being generous causes others to be grateful. Then second, write this down. Then being generous shows what really matters. What really matters in life. Every time you're generous, you reveal what really matters because when you're generous toward people, people in need, it reveals that people matter more than things matter. When you give your time, your money, your energy, or whatever to somebody, you're showing what matters to you. You're showing that people matter to you. Paul says this, I want you to understand what really matters. Jesus says this, life is not about having a lot of material possessions. In other words, you could spend your whole life working hard to get a whole pile of things. But at the end of your life, what do you have? Just a pile of things. Things that don't make a difference in anybody's life. Things that are now old and out of date. Things that are now rusty and dusty. And things when you die, your kids are going to say as they have to sort through it, what a pile of junk. (laughs) Call for the dumpster. And Paul says, all the things I once thought were so important, I now consider worthless because of Christ. Listen close. Generosity can break that grip that maybe materialism has on your life. What's materialism? It's believing that, that more things will make you more happy. So how do, you, how do you break the grip of materialism? Well, you go out and you look for ways to give instead of going out and looking for things to get. How can I be a Christ follower who makes a difference in my world? Where can I give? To whom can I give? And this church has been doing that in in Mexico and the the Philippines and through compassion meals and, and all kinds of things. But how can we do it better? So the question is, what is your generosity revealing about what really matters to you? Do people in need matter do the hurting matter to you do people without the news of jesus christ matter to you the lost those without a savior do people who know christ and they're learning to serve him matter that's the body that's us does the body of christ matter to you How much of your generosity is targeted toward people that Jesus says matter? The hurting, the lost, his body. Are you only generous towards yourself and things that matter to you? Or are you only generous towards causes that matter to you? Being generous shows what really matters in your life. Third, write this down. Being generous makes you more Christ-like. Jesus is the most generous person who ever lived. On earth, he gave his time, he gave his energy. He ate with people, he taught people, he fed people, he healed people. Jesus was a giver. 
And if he was not a giver, none of us would be sitting right here this morning. He wouldn't have given us this earth. He wouldn't have given us breath to give us life. But he gave us the earth to us. He gave us the earth to manage. It's all a gift from God. You didn't earn it. You didn't build it. It's a gift from God for you to enjoy and manage. In fact, the Bible says this. Every good and perfect gift is from above. And it comes down from the Father of heavenly lights. The Father who made all that exists in the heavens. That's where our gifts come down from. That same Father. You say, wait a minute. I earned all my stuff. But wait. Where do you think you got the ability to think so you could earn all your stuff? Who do you think gave you that amazing ability to think and that amazing brain? Everything in your life is a gift from generous God. And God wants his followers, his family, to become just like him. Generous. In fact, the Bible says this, God so loved the world that he, what? Gave. That he gave. And he's never stopped giving. Every time you're generous, you become like God. And every time you're generous, you change. Every time you're generous, you become just a little bit more like Jesus. You focus differently. Your focus is on others instead of you. Paul says, don't look out just for your own interests, but look also to the interests of others. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. Folks, being generous makes you more like Jesus Christ. Amen? Next, write this down. Being generous strengthens your faith. It really does. Because when you take something that you've got and you give it away to help somebody else, then you've got to start trusting God to meet your need, right? (laughs) You just gave away. And you got to start trusting God. Maybe you barely have enough money to pay your bills, and it's really tight. But you see somebody in need, and you give some of your money away to help somebody else. Now you've got to put your faith in God to meet your need. Maybe you've got just enough time to get all of your stuff done. But all at once, you've got a neighbor who comes and asks for help. And so you stop, and you help that neighbor start their car. That was me this week. And I was pushing, I was running, and the neighbor says, I got a dead battery, can you come and help me? So I go across and I give him a jump start and I help him start his car. And now you got to put your faith in God to help you get your stuff done in the time that you have left. Every time you give and put your faith in God to meet your need, your faith grows. Your faith is like a muscle. And the more you use it, the more you exercise it, the stronger it gets. So Paul says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell your God what you need and thank him for all that he's already done. Folks, generosity causes you to look to God for help. Say, God, I could either worry about this or I could pray about this. But God, I'm going to look to you and I'm going to ask for your help. Generosity causes your faith then to strengthen and generosity brings to you God's provision. Amen? It brings to you God's provision because you're meeting that premise before the promise. You're giving out. You're being generous to others. And then God says, I've been watching you and because you're doing that, I'm gonna help meet your need. Being generous strengthens your faith. 
Next, write this down. Being generous then invests your future in your future. Whenever you are generous, you need to know you're storing up for yourself some treasure in heaven. Jesus says, store up for yourselves treasure in heaven no less than six times in the Bible. Now, whenever Jesus says something one time, you got to listen to it. But when he says it six times, you better really listen to it. We'd better listen close or we might get hurt in the long run. We might miss some blessing from God. Life is not about storing up things on earth. Life is about storing up things in heaven. Life is about making deposits in your account in heaven. Life is about investing in your heavenly future. Folks, you can't take a U-Haul truck full of your stuff to heaven. Amen? You can't do it. So how do you invest in your future in heaven? The answer is pretty simple. By investing in people. There's only two things that the Bible says is going to last. It's the word of God and people. People are going to last forever in one of two places, and you know this, heaven or hell. So you or I need to invest in helping more people who are going to last forever, either in heaven or hell, to decide to follow Jesus Christ. Amen? That's our mission, to make more and better disciples of Jesus Christ. And we do that by acting toward them like Jesus would act toward them. We do that by demonstrating generosity to them, by caring for them, by coming alongside and helping them, by sharing with them. And Jesus says when we invest in people, the people that he created, the people that he died for, that we are storing up in our account treasure in heaven. Paul says this, though I appreciate your gifts, what makes me happiest is the well-earned reward you will have because of your kindness. We need to understand that whenever we help people, we are rewarded by God in heaven. The New International Version says that same verse this way, what I desire is that more will be credited to your account. So the question is, are you investing Are you investing not in your IRA, but in your ERA, your eternal retirement account? Are you investing anything in your ERA? And how do you do that? Paul tells us right here. Command them to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for what age? Not this age. For the coming age, so that they may take hold of the life, the real life, the abundant life, the kingdom life that is truly life. That's life in heaven with God the Father. Being generous invests in your future. And last, and I love this one, being generous makes God smile. (laughs) It makes God smile. You know, when God sees his followers acting like him, being generous like him, It makes him smile. The Bible says this. Your generosity is like this lovely fragrance, a sacrifice that drifts up to the Lord and pleases the very heart of God. When you share your time, your energy, your skills, your money to help somebody else, believers, unbelievers, it's like this fragrant aroma And God smells it and goes, 
What are they doing down there? Look at what they're doing. And it pleases the heart of God. Now, when parents see their kids being selfish brats and not sharing their toys, does that make us happy? No, not at all. But when parents see their kids sharing and generous, does that make them happy? Yeah. We say, oh, that's so cute. And we're all saying, germs. (laughs) But it's cute. That's my boy. That's my girl. And, and, And it makes us smile. It makes us proud. And we're pleased with them. And we need to know that God, our Father, is the same. When we are generous, he smiles. That's my boy. That's my girl. And it pleases his very heart, the Bible says. Once again, Paul says, your generosity is like this lovely fragrance, a sacrifice. Yeah, you have to sacrifice, and it hurts, and you got to trust God to do it to meet your needs, but it pleases the very heart of God. And like a good parent, God's watching you to see what you do with all that he's given to you. He's watching to see if you're being generous. He's watching to see if you're going to share the blessings that he's given to you. God is saying, you give to others. You give to me and my work. And guess what? I'll give to you. And I will meet all your needs. Each one, every one, to the whole. I will meet all your needs. What a promise, amen? So I want us to kind of really get this into our head as we get ready to close this morning. Read this out loud with me. Here we go. My God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. How many needs will God meet? All. Out of what resources will he meet your needs? Out of his riches. Doesn't it matter what our economy is doing? Doesn't matter whether you're jobless right now or not. It says, my God will meet all your needs according to his riches. Doesn't matter what America's going through, amen? God is able one way or another to provide for you and me. So let's say it again. I want to get this in your head. Here we go. My God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. But you got to remember the premise that comes before the promise. You've got to be generous if you want God to meet your needs. So let me close with this. There are two ways to be generous. One of them gets God's blessing and one of them does not get God's blessing. Paul says it shall be done to you According to your faith. So we want to be generous in a way that takes faith. It takes faith. So that means we're going to maybe give and we don't think we have it to give. And that's how the people in Philippi gave. They gave even though they didn't have enough for themselves. They gave and trusted God to meet their needs. So how do we do that? Well, well let's, let's think about the recent typhoon tragedy in the Philippines. Not the Philippians, the Philippines. Thousands died, more are homeless, and when we heard about that, we, as a church, we wanted to help, we wanted to be generous. Now, there are two ways that you can figure out the level of your generosity and what it's going to be when we're faced with those kind of things. First, write this down, you can be generous by reason. 
You can say, what a reasonable amount can I give? And so you look at your checkbook, you figure out what you've got, and you say, I can give this amount. It's a reasonable amount. You don't have to pray about it. You don't have to think about it much. You don't have to trust God to help you give it. You just go, this is what I can afford to give. This is what I will give. But folks, that does not get the blessing of God. And and people give that way all the time. Millions are given to charity by Christians and non-Christians alike around our world every year by just simply saying, what can I afford to give out of my riches? But then another way to give that gets God's blessing is this. You can be generous by revelation. Instead of saying, what can I afford to give to help this need? You say, Lord, what do you want to give through me? Big change. God, what do you want to give through me? And I'll guarantee you, God will give you a number that's bigger (laughs) than what you want to give. Because God wants to force you into trusting him. But not only that, God wants to give you his blessing. Amen? He wants to provide for all of your needs according to his riches and glory that are in Christ Jesus. And so, this makes your generosity an adventure. It stretches your faith. It allows you to experience God's blessing and promise in your life. And I learned to be generous because my parents were generous. I knew what we had and what we didn't have. And I watched them give, and I was kind of scratching my head as a kid growing up. I grew up in a generous family, surely grew up in a giving family. So when we got married, we didn't have a problem becoming a generous, giving couple. That, that wasn't a, a thing we had to battle over in our marriage. And this summer, we're going to celebrate our 40th wedding anniversary. And I know we look too young for that. <laughs> I, I know that. But we're going to celebrate our 40th wedding anniversary this July. And, and we have been tithing and giving beyond our tithe for all of those 40 years. And this year, and I'm not saying this to, to give us any pats on the back, This year, we just did our taxes. We gave over 14% back to God, and that doesn't count a lot of our other donations to other charities and other things we do, the firefighters and the veterans and other things we do. We gave just 14% cash back to the ministry of God. And I'm saying that because I want you to know that for 40 years, we can truthfully say God has always not met only just our needs, but even beyond that, many of our desires. Many of our desires. Have there been some tough times? Yeah. And most of them was because of our own making. And we made bad decisions. But God still was full of grace. <laughs> and we kept giving and kept giving. And God continued to meet all of our needs and many, many desires. And if you have kids, parents, you need to model generosity so they grow up being givers instead of takers. We've all, we've all seen selfish brats. But by modeling generosity, you can develop givers. And so how do you do that? Well, first of all, you just simply pray about it. Lord, what do you want our family to give? And we used to sit around the table when our kids are home, and we'd pray those prayers. Lord, here's a special need. What do you want our family to give? And then you just give it. You give the amount that that the Lord asked you to give, the amount he laid on your heart, and you just start giving it. And God meets your needs. And if you're not yet tithing, I just want to encourage you to start there. Start giving that 10% of your income. Just start there. And you say, oh, I couldn't do that. We we couldn't pay our bills. 
This is a big test, isn't it? If you meet the premise, the Bible says God will meet your need according to his riches in glory. That's where you start. And then when an opportunity comes to help some crisis relief or a church plant or a person going on a mission or a new church ministry that needs to be established, again, you just ask God what he would have you give. And then you give that amount above your tithe. And what's he do? He meets all your needs. He will. And I I guess I could have put that extra 4% beyond our tithe into retirement and maybe stacked up a little bit more for the the retirement age. I, I guess I could have done some other things or spent it on something else we wanted. But God has met all of our needs. Jesus says this. We've been in this happiness series, and here's his words. He says, there's more happiness in giving than in receiving. I can testify that is true. There's more happiness in giving than in receiving. Being generous makes God smile, and it makes you and everybody that you give to happier. Amen? It really, really does. I know this is countercultural. <laughs> I know it's against everything that maybe some of us were raised up to think and believe. It's all about accumulation and building up your stuff. But if you really want your needs to be met, if you really want God on your side, obey the premise that comes before the promise. Amen? Amen. Folks, if you want greater happiness, be generous with all that God's given you, your time, your energy, your possessions, and your money. Let's pray. As I pray this prayer, would you consider repeating it in your heart after me? And then dedicating yourself to the Lord completely. Father, thank you for all that you've given to me. I do want to be generous. I do want all my needs to be met. Today I've decided to start being generous towards you toward your work and toward others in need. As I do, I believe you will meet my needs according to your promise. I claim it now in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, Amen.